0: Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. Please give a warm Living Word welcome to the childses.
1: Jeanette. Thanks, sir. Amen. Wow. Muna what would you say? Sabari Yesu. He did it. You see, when I went to Niger for the first time in 1997 for our scouting trip, I got violently ill too. And they thought I would never come back. So I don't know that that's a sign that it's not where you're supposed to be. I'm just saying that. Um, in fact, I, where are the other brochures out there or? Ushers have the brochure. Instead of a prayer card this year, we have some brochures that we would like to pass out. But it is so good to be here. We always look forward to being at Living Word. Yeah, and and the ushers can go ahead and pass them out. And we did our scouting trip in 1997. We moved in 1998, which means this is our 20th year. In fact, what is this, July 15th today? July 19th, 20 years ago, is the day that we moved to Niger, And so we put together a brochure that has kind of a timeline of everything that's happened ministry-wise and even in our family over those 20 years. And God has been so faithful as we were singing this morning. He has never failed. Um, We haven't had giraffes in our service, but we have had chickens and goats and animals like that walking around. In fact, it was just a couple weeks ago, we were in one of our village churches and I was sitting there, and there was chickens. there's a chicken. They're not supposed to be in there. They're supposed to try to keep them out. And it occurred to me, it's like, this isn't normal, is it? I mean, to have chickens running around in the, in the service. So I took a picture. Because sometimes we have to be reminded by other people that things that are not normal anymore. But um, anyways, we are... So happy to be here, to be in the States, to share God's faithfulness. As Pastor said, we came from Tulsa yesterday. We arrived. Our daughter, Tanika, I don't know how many of you remember her. She was here two years ago, and that Sunday evening shared a little bit. Well, God's done a ton of stuff in her life since then, and she got married on Friday morning. So it was, yes, praise God. We are so grateful. (laughs) We're so thankful. She married um, a man from Nigeria who she met in the States. Well, she actually knew him in Nigeria when she was there, but they weren't a thing then. But it was after he separately came to the States and they reconnected. And we're so um, pleased that God has connected them together. And Neil, especially, as Nigeria is his heritage and now really even his legacy, our legacy. And so, Stephen and Tanika, we followed them. They're on their way um they spent their first night they went from Tulsa to Springfield and then um so we were she was texting me um yesterday as we were coming because we went from Tulsa we went through Springfield and she said oh we just left and now we're going to the arch and we passed by the arch and we thought about going and trying to find them but then we thought they wouldn't like that so we didn't do that but anyways they are gonna we're headed from here to Minnesota And they're actually going to spend part of their honeymoon up with my family up in Minnesota. So we get to see them again. So anyways, God is good. God is faithful. And he's been doing amazing things in Niger. This, as Pastor Scott said, was a a milestone year for us. Um, This year in April, if any of you get a CR on Facebook or get our newsletters, you'll know that um, in April we handed over the leadership of the Abundant, the ministry in Niger, to a national which is a huge thing for a missionary and for a ministry that now we're still there, part of the the board and the, the council that runs the ministry, but there's a new president and that's the first time in the ministry that it's been a Niger man. And that's huge to have the ministry have matured enough to where and that's been the goal from day one, from when Neil's father started the ministry that eventually one day we wanted a national at the helm, and that happened this year. So we're so grateful to God. And you'll see we have a video um, that just a, a couple minutes that will kind sh- uh, of – some some statistics, uh, pictures, things that you'll see. And you'll see that transition service. You know, sometimes you hear when these kind of transitions take place, especially in places like Africa where it doesn't go well, like there's a mutiny or whatever. It The presence of God was there. It went so much better than we – I mean, we knew it would go well. But, to see, I mean, it was just the timing of God for this to happen in the ministry. So um, you'll see that. But just for quickly for us, we're still fully in Niger. We're still ministering um, kind of as we did. We're just not having to make the day-to-day decisions. Um, and then God is opening up doors for us to do more international travel. And so you'll see on this brochure some of the places we've been and um, just continue to pray for us as God leads us in that, this new season for us. Um, but we still continue to base in Niger and do all the things there but you'll see in the video all the things that your support has done um, this last year and then um, some of the statistics you'll see is from the time that not really from when Villabondant started but from when we've been there and then you'll see it's a quick thing a quick slide of the pastor that's the new um, president but he's wearing white and you'll see him and it's it's during that service and all the pastors are rejoicing so, but as you watch it, just realize that this, what you're seeing, is what you're sewing into, and it's powerful, and we are so grateful for your support. Roll the video.
0: that the gospel will spread all around. We dedicate this body, this building in the name of Jesus. Jesus. God. Hallelujah. It is always a privilege to come and be here with Pastor Scott. <laughs> Thanks for that steak last night. That was awesome. <laughs> just watching that video that we've watched so many times in the last month, I was still getting choked up and I'm realizing that my emotions are just really raw. <laughs> we just we just did uh, our daughter's wedding on Friday. I was the officiating. Well, I walked her down. My dad opened it. It was a whole family affair. My dad opened it. I walked my daughter down. He asked the question who gives, you know, this bride to be married? I say her mother and I sit down. And I'm sitting there. I'm just the net. I need to think about something because I'm feeling emotional. And, uh, okay, so then my mom is invited up to preach. She gives the charge. And then, a, you know, a song from uncle and aunt. And then I get up to do the vows. And I literally, I'm, I was in front of this group of people, what seemed like an eternity, weeping. And it's just still there, you know. So I got to make sure I can hold it together. Amen. But my message is on nothing that should make me cry. So, amen. I walked in here and I just said, wow. I know why family is part of the, the church name it feels like a family and coming back people saying you know it's great to see you again and hugging me and i see follow you on facebook and all i really feel like i'm part of my family here and so i want to thank you for that family welcoming and for the hospitality and how much you have given to support the work in niger and i believe that together we are moving the gospel forward it's about advancing you know god the lord Uh, expects us to move forward and to increase when jesus tells us the parable of the talents it's 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 with an expectation of increase we're always moving forward job job teaches that the righteous keep moving forward the apostle paul said brothers and sisters forgetting those things which are behind and moving forward to lay hold One of my favorite scriptures, and people are going to wonder your favorite scripture. One of them is what Jesus says in in the book of Matthew. He says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. Come on. How many is that your favorite verse? I love that verse. But you know, another translation gives a little bit more of an insight on what that means. It says, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. And the forceful shall lay hold of it. So today I want to talk to you about something very much about advancing. My message is something very much about what is required, I believe, even needed to advance and to go forward. You know, we've been called to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. Our ministry is about reaching the unreached. We're going forward into new places, new villages, places they've never heard the gospel, advancing the gospel. And and one thing that is very much about advancement is what my message is on today today. And that is breakthrough. Everybody say breakthrough. breakthrough. You know, I, I hesitated in, in calling this the name of my messenger, even speaking on breakthrough, because I know that the term breakthrough is a very outdated term. It was a big buzzword in the 90s for preachers back then. Breakthrough, the nights of breakthrough, our year of breakthrough, everything was breakthrough. But you know what? The, this word captures the very image of what is so important about moving forward. Sometimes you just have to move forward. It requires a breakthrough. You see, by definition, breakthrough implies that there is some kind of resistance, a barrier of some sort, uh, an opposition that has to be broken through. Sometimes in order to be able to go forward, you've got to break through. I'm telling you, when we take the gospel to new places, there is a resistance. I'm going to have to use that handheld, I think. There is a resistance or an opposition when you're moving forward that requires a breakthrough. Amen? Amen. How many need a breakthrough? We hear about medical breakthroughs. That's a medical breakthrough where there's an advancement in the field of medicine, but it has to overcome the unknowns, has to overcome diseases to get that breakthrough. We have financial breakthroughs where there has been some kind of a, 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 a barrier of the lack of resources. But you get a financial breakthrough and you move forward in your finances. And you can begin to afford things that you couldn't afford before. How many would love to have a financial breakthrough? You know, and there's not only medical breakthroughs, financial breakthroughs. There's spiritual breakthroughs where we go forward in our walk with the Lord. Our intimacy with God. Our increase, our growth, the growth of faith in our life. But that's not without an opposition. How many know there are demonic strongholds that many times you have to break through? You have to cast out? You have to, to go through those things, a breakthrough. Come on now. Yeah. How many are ready for a breakthrough? Yeah. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Chronicles. I want to read in 1 Chronicles chapter 14 about a breakthrough. We're advancing the gospel. We're so, when Danette mentioned just our our appreciation for for the offerings that you have given that have helped to to move the gospel forward, we don't say that lightly. It's truly from the bottom of our heart because we cannot do what we do in Niger. So a big part of what we do is we come back to say thank you. And I hope that when we come back to say thank you, then we can bring a deposit of our love, our gratitude, and a word from the Lord. And so I, I believe the message I have today is really a word from the Lord for you. And I believe that through this word, we're going to experience breakthrough. Are you ready for a breakthrough? So we got, let's turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 14. I'm going to read from verse 8 to 11. And I'm going to read it in the New King James Version. And it says, starting in verse 8. Now when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it and went out against them. And then the Philistines went and made a raid on the valley of Rephaim, and David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to him, Go up, for I will deliver them into your hand. So they went up to Bel Perazim, and David defeated them there, and then David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a breakthrough of water. And therefore they called the name of that place Bel Perazim. Because it was the place of breakthrough. Everybody say the place of breakthrough. I want us to come to a place of breakthrough this morning. The place of breakthrough. It is a place of healing, amen. It is a place of deliverance. It's a place of moving forward. And this place was a place where David experienced victory over the enemy. And he called it the place of breakthrough because it was the place where he broke through. By my hand, God has broken through against my enemies. I love this passage. From this passage we could find all kinds of of principles of breakthrough I mean very quickly you could see The one breakthrough very clear there is prayer And I think we would all uh, Kind of have an idea how important Prayer is for breakthrough uh, They used to have the bracelets that they would put on that says P-U-S-H push Pray until something happens It gives that idea that you pray until you get a breakthrough But here we see David He wasn't just about talking about praying It was he inquired of God Shall I do this So it's not only prayer being a principle of breakthrough It's it's Prayer for God's direction. Powerful principle of breakthrough. But I'm not talking about that this morning. The, 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 another principle you can draw out of this passage is, is we are to be involved in the breakthrough that God wants to give us in our life. David said, by my hand, God has broken through against my hand. That's a powerful principle. There's so many principles we could draw out of here. Is that mic on? I'm just going to go ahead and I, I don't want to keep grabbing my ear. for. I, can, I must have funny shaped ears. And mine and Scott's ears are... Completely different. Amen? All right. Okay. You're still with me. All right. But the principle that I want to look at this morning from this passage is on confrontation. Everybody say confrontation. Here it says when, when, when the Philistines, the enemies of God's people, the enemy, David's enemies, when they heard that David had been anointed king, over all Israel, they went out to search for him. They went out against him. How many know that that when you begin to move forward, you begin to advance, it attracts enemies? I've heard one pastor say, "We never had this kind of opposition until we got into our own building." You know, we never had this kind of uh, problems until we we reached this certain level of size. It's like the, the the more you grow or the the more you advance, the more enemies that seem to come. Well, here David is promoted and he's put in as king over over all of Israel, and the enemies come out to search for him. And what does David do? It says David went out against them. He went out to confront them. David could have acted like nothing was going on. He, he could have acted like he didn't know there was anything going on. He could, have, he, he could have ran away and hid, and there were times that he has run away and hid. But here he confronted him. And one thing we're going to see with David is every time David would confront things, he would get breakthrough and victory. But when David would not confront things, what would happen? You'd begin to have Absaloms coming up. And with those Absaloms, all kinds of, uh, of wreaking havoc of, of all sorts of consequences. But I love the confrontation that we all know David for. I love that confrontation. Whereas a young boy, his father sends him to go and take supplies to his brothers who were at war with the Philistines. And as he shows up on the scene, he hears this giant Goliath out there calling out all kinds of mocking things against the people of God and saying these sort of things. And he looks around and he sees that all of the soldiers, everybody's hiding. Even the king Saul is gone. And he comes up as a boy and says, Let no man's heart fail. I'll go and fight him. He was ready to confront. And he says, as he stands out there and he goes out to fight Goliath. I mean, I love to just picture this young boy coming out to fight this Goliath. And, and Goliath starts to laugh at him and says, you small boy coming at me with sticks and stones. And he says, today, I, today the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I, you, you, I come to you in the name of the Lord, the God of the armies whom you, you have defied. Today I, God will deliver you into my hand. I will... Smite you and I will remove your head from your body and I will feed your carcass to the beasts Come on. When did confrontation become a bad thing? Come on. He confronted him. He got his breakthrough He went there and did what he said he would do and removed his head Confrontation You know so often today confrontation is seen as this kind of this bad thing, but you know jesus taught us to confront Jesus showed us how important confrontation was. You know, Jesus teaches, He says, if your, if your right hand is causing you to stumble or to, what do you do? You cut it off. If your, if your, if your eye begins to make you to, to have a problem or to stumble or to, to, to fall, what do you do? You pluck it out. Now, Jesus made that radical teaching, that statement. Was he really wanting the the body of Christ to be full of one-armed people lifting up holy hand or, or only having one eye to see and bumping into things? No, he wasn't wanting a bunch of crippled people in the church. What he was saying is when there is an issue, when there are problems, they need to be confronted. I said when there are problems and there are issues, they need to be confronted. But we're living in a time in our culture We're living in a time even in the church where we don't want to confront. But Jesus taught us to confront things. I know that I'm a missionary and I'm coming to minister about all that God's doing in Africa. And you may not have been expecting a confrontational message. And I don't want to be confrontational. But it's the word God gave to me to bring to the church this morning. Everybody say confrontation. Jesus taught us to confront. Cut your arm up, pluck your eye out. Confront the issue. He, he, when, when Jesus comes across the, the religious people of that time, the Pharisees, what does he do? Does he do the politically correct thing? Does he tolerate their, 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 their foolish religious ways? No, he says, you hypocrite. You whitewashed tombs. You're all beautiful on the outside, but inside you're full of death. He confronted them. That's confrontation. When he went into the house of God and he sees the house of God and all the things that they're doing in the house of God. He sees that they're, 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 exchange, they're exchanging money and they're trading and they're bringing animals in and they're selling. And what does he do, Jesus? He goes over there and he makes a cord and he fashions it and he, and he puts this whip together out of the cords and then he goes and he confronts. You know, Jesus, Jesus could have put signs on the walls and says, uh, no trading, no marketing, no selling of animals in the house of God. That's passive aggressive. That's not confrontation. We've got to confront. Jesus said if your brother does something against you, if something happens, what do you do? You go to him. You don't avoid it. You don't just let it go. I mean, the cool thing now today is just, oh, just let it slide. Just, you know, don't don't worry. Just tolerate it. No. You confront it. You know, the Bible teaches us to confront. Jesus' example was about confronting things. He overturned the money. I mean, I love that about Jesus. When he, when he wanted to deal with it, it was a confrontation. He overthrew the tables. And money went everywhere. Confrontation. I will remove your head from your body. <laughs> Let's be confronters. You know, the, the Bible says have nothing to do with the evil, the, the, the works of darkness but rather expose them the bible says the city that is set on a hill cannot be hid you are the light of the world the light of the world does not just mean you stand up as the light of the world and everybody can see the way to jesus that's part of it but as the light of the world it's also that we stand and we begin to expose things going on until there is confrontation there's no transformation until there is a confrontation light cannot come into the situation Man, they're saying, what kind of missionary is this today? Confrontation. We need to be ready to confront ourselves and we need to be ready to allow the word of God to confront us. Remember when they were walking on the road, Emmaus, the the Emmaus road, and as, as Jesus had spoken with them when he left, they said, did not his words burn in our hearts when he shared the scriptures with us? The word of God is a confrontation. The Holy Spirit's conviction can be a confrontation to us. We need to be about confrontation. We need to be ready for confrontation because listen to me, we'll never experience breakthrough without a confrontation. You'll never be able to go forward and experience that breakthrough without first confronting that barrier. When we carry the gospel to places that have never heard, we've got to be ready to confront the forces of darkness because until you confront sin, until you confront the devil, until you confront those things that for years have been boundaries and hindrances for the gospel going forward, until you confront it, you'll never get through it. So many things stay hidden in darkness because nobody wants to confront it. In Niger, we're working in Niger now for for, for 20 years. And one of the things that we've picked up in this culture, several things, but one of the things is they like to keep things sort of hidden (laughs) or they believe that the more loving thing to do is to cover their brother and I know there's a time for privacy I I know that but but it's become so much to the point that there would be things going on in, in the ministry and maybe even in a pastor's life we have 52 churches now you can imagine there's always things going on when you have pastors and doing things there would be something going on and but and another pastor would know about it and he would come and he would keep it he would cover him Believing that he was doing the right thing. Do you want to know something? The longer you keep something covered like that, the more damage can be done. Because it was never brought into the light, nothing could change. I, tell, I love to tell a story of one of our pastors that's in the ministry now, in our ministry, via Bandan in Niger. And I, when I'm sharing with other pastors in Niger, I talk about Pastor Ibrahim. Pastor Ibrahim, when he first came, got saved and he came to discipleship school, He was in school, we had to expel him. We found out that he was lying. Not only lying, he he had stolen he had taken money and lied and cheated, and he had told other people that told this person that he was farming for them and had and invested this money and was growing a farm, even took the, the, the church member out to show them all the work that he had done and this farm, and it wasn't even his farm. He was just showing some stranger's farm and it was just continuing to take the money until it came out we confronted it and we expelled him how many know confrontation has some consequences we expelled him and said you need to pay this back you want to come back to school you got to pay all this back but he did praise God for confrontation opens the door for change and transformation until it's confronted there's no change man you're a quiet group confrontation everybody say confrontation Today, Pastor Ibrahim, he not only paid it back, he went, finished his discipleship, went on to do pastoral, to, to go through the, the ministry to, for training, pastoral training. And today, he's not only a pastor, he's a pastor of pastors. He oversees eight churches in Villabanan because he was confronted. One of the greatest breakthroughs you'll ever experience in your life is repentance. When you repent, Two other people that worked for us in Niger, same type of job, working in our, with our family, helping us out in, in our home. One is Delphine. Delphon uh, had been working for us for a few years, and we begin to sense that there were things going on. Now, you can just kind of ignore it. You can kind of act like you don't know what's going on, but we begin to pick up signs that he was in a relationship he shouldn't have been in, and he was getting caught up in doing things he shouldn't have done in that relationship. And we didn't fully know it, but we confronted it. Confronted it, and it comes out. Bring it into the light. So Delphine is confronted for this relationship. Bring it to to, to his church, congregation, his pastor. His pastor stands him up in front of the church and and reads out everything Delphine's done for everybody to hear. Church in America would be like, what? He did this. He did this. He did this, and he will not be able to do any. He was actually helping in the praise and worship at the time and, and had a role. He will not do anything for three months. I think it was three months, he said. Three months. Delfon took it. He took all the exposing of his sin, being confronted in everybody, and he repented. And he went through it. And today, Delfon, well, of course, he, he lost his job with me right then. He was confronted, and there were consequences. But today he works for me again. Not only works for me, he works in our well drilling ministry. You saw some wells being dug. He's part of that crew. And he's now the worship leader at one of the main churches, the one you spoke at. Amen. Change. Repentance opens the door for transformation. But now there's another guy, Luke Mann, who also used to work for us. Same kind of role in our home. And Luke, man, we could always kind of sense there's something not right here. And we would confront him on specific things that we were picking up on. And we would confront him, and he would never admit or never repent or never agree. And eventually, he just sort of, he chose to to leave working for us. I think maybe the conviction of being around us and not wanting to change, he eventually left. Without any repentance, he left. He backslid out of his faith. He lost his wife. And I've been told several times you'll still see him around. He says he looks like a dried up old man. Because he would never allow the confrontation to bring him a breakthrough. If you'll, Paul said it like this. If you judge yourself, you'll not be judged. Paul said examine yourself whether you be in faith. It's very important that we Allow the word of God to confront us, and then we confront ourselves and judge ourselves with that confrontation. Man, this is going a different way this morning. <laughs> confrontation. Jesus taught us to confront. I mean, even when you see the uh, you see Peter when he's telling Jesus is telling his disciples how he must go and, and to Jerusalem, and he's going to be arrested, he's going to be killed, and 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 when Peter hears it, he says. No, Lord, this isn't going to happen. And what does Jesus do? Does he let even that slide? I mean, you can kind of understand Peter saying, No, Lord. No, because what Peter was saying was against the will of God. And immediately Jesus Jesus turned to him and said, Get behind me, Satan. He confronted those words that were contrary to the will of God. And not only in his confrontation did he correct, but he exposed the real root of where that was coming from. You see, when we begin to confront, we expose the enemy. It says, do not have any fellowship with the works of darkness, but rather expose them. We're the light of the world. From the beginning, confrontation. God put confrontation from the beginning. In the Garden of Eden, he, he created the whole Garden of Eden and told Adam and Eve, you can enjoy everything you want, all of the trees you can eat of, except for one tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And what does he do with that tree? Bam, smack in the middle of the garden where they will be confronted every day. I mean, he didn't put that tree off to the side like where they would never even encounter that. Bam, right in the middle, be confronted with it. You know, so so many times today, in today's culture, parenting, you know, you don't ever want to tell your children no. So, like... (laughs) Everything that the child could possibly get into, you, you hide it away, you take it away because you never want to have to confront them. Parenting from the missionary from Africa. <laughs> no, put that thing right there. And when they come to touch you, you say, no, don't touch that. I want to remove your head from your body. No, <laughs> I just... <laughs> but can you confront it, amen. And that's how you learn, and that's how you go forward. That's how you experience breakthroughs, and you advance. But without confrontation, there is no change. There is no light. We've got to confront things. I remember when I was a a youth pastor in Michigan, before I'd gone to Arkansas to go to Bible school and then go to be a missionary. I was working up in Michigan right out of ORU serving as a youth pastor in the church, but I was still, I wasn't on paid staff, but I was, out of a church of about, probably about like this size, Uh, I was like the the next guy that was helping the pastor, and the church, actually our church may have been a little bit bigger, we had John Bevere come through, but it was in John Bevere's early days, and I think in that service there's about 500, I don't know, does this hold about 500? Okay, so it held about 500, the place was jam-packed. I'm sitting. I'm, I get. I always was on the front row, right next to Pastor Pruitt, our pastor, and and the place is packed. And how many have heard John Bevere speak? John Bevere was there, and and he and he. This was in his. He was in his 20s, early 20s. By that time, he had just started. We're talking 1989, 1990. He started preaching, and he was preaching like a young John Bevere, fire. I mean, aggressive, up and down. I mean, just. And he was preaching hard. He was coming against sin. I mean, he was coming against everything. And I remember sitting there as a youth pastor on the front row. And as John Bevere was preaching, my my heart was just beating. I say, and I hope he does not have an altar call. My heart was beating. And sure enough, he says, and if you need to get right with the Lord, you come up to the altar right now. And my heart is beating. And I'm thinking, I know I need to get to that altar but what will all these people think? I'm the youth pastor. What are they going to say? They'll all be looking. They'll all be saying, wow, why did Neil go up there? But you know what? I knew I had to get up there and then my heart was beating and I just went up to the front. I didn't look to the right or the left. I just went up and I stood there and I prayed and poured my heart out and dealt with whatever I was going through at that time. And And since then, Danette's actually asked me, what were you, did you go up there for? What was that?" I really don't even remember till today. I just remember I needed to get there to that altar. And I came forward and I did that. And as soon as you, I repented of whatever it was that I was dealing with, there was this breakthrough, spiritual breakthrough, a release. And then all of a sudden, Then then I open my eyes and I look around and I realize I'm not the only one up there. The whole church was up there with me. We were all confronted. We We need to respond to the confrontation. Amen? So, to experience breakthrough, we need confrontation. Everybody say, Confront me, Lord. That's a powerful prayer. Confront me, Lord. We cannot keep things hidden. In Psalm 96 it says, God God asks the question, Who will rise for me against the wicked? Who will stand for me against those who practice iniquity? You see, God wants people to take a stand to confront things. Yeah, that's not popular in today's culture. That isn't the way things operate today. Today it's just like kind of let it slide. Where's the days of bringing the whip to the house of God? Come on. Everybody say confront me. Do you mean it? Say, Holy Spirit, confront me. Expose those things in my life. Let's go to another verse. Let's go to John chapter 5. You know, sometimes we don't even see the things. Maybe even as I'm talking, it's like, why did this guy come here? And what does he think is going on with us? You know, I'll, tell, I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. This message that God gave me isn't just for, for this congregation. I've preached this four other times now. But every time the Lord says, speak this message, it just so happens to be the message that needed to be spoken. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, not this church. I want you to know we need to confront some things. We can't continue to live by pushing things into a dark room and a dark compartment. We need to confront every aspect of what's going on. If we want to experience breakthrough. Now, I took it for granted. I took it for granted that you want breakthrough. How many want breakthrough here today? Amen. I want breakthrough. I want breakthrough for Niger. I want breakthrough for my life. I want breakthrough for my family. I want breakthrough in the church. I want us to move to a higher level. And without us, without that breakthrough, we're never going to that higher level. We've got to be ready to confront the things that we can go forward and go in to the next level. Everybody say, take me to the next level. John chapter 5. I'm going to read the first nine verses. John chapter 5. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. And now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five uh, covered colonnades or porches. And it says, here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one who had been, had been an invalid for 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there, learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He asked, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk, and at once the man was cured. Picked up his mat and walked. Toby, come on up here. I love to uh, use Toby here as an illustration. Here, here we come to the pool of Bethesda, and Jesus comes here and he finds a man. Here, lay right there so they can see. You. Comes and finds a man by the pool of Bethesda. Well, first of all, we we read as I read there, you picked up. That by this pool, it it says that an angel comes and stirs the water, and the first to get in gets his healing. I mean, so this was a place of healing and deliverance. It's a place of breakthrough. Amen? How, How many know that today there is a place of healing? Faith is a place of healing. The presence of God is a place of healing. Living Word Family Church is a place of healing. Oh man, you missed the time to like show me your amens there. I said, living word, family church is a place of healing. Amen. Amen. So we know there's places of healing. Even today, there's a place of healing. This was a place of healing for all kinds of sicknesses. How many know that just like there were all kinds of sicknesses back in Jesus' day, today, there are all kinds of sicknesses. Well, here Jesus comes to this man who's by the pool of Bethesda. And it says there's been a man there. Toby was his name. No. And he had been sick for 38 years. Imagine 38 years. I mean, there's a lot of us here. Well, not here. A lot of, there's a not me, but there's a lot of people that aren't even 38 years yet. That's a long time. 38 years. I'm speaking to a more mature church. You got to... <laughs> Usually I say that most of us here aren't even 38, but that's not true here. Amen? Hey, I'm with you. <laughs> Praise God for us older folk. Amen? Now I've offended half, more than half the people. <laughs> Come on now, give me, some, give me some feedback. Come on, say I love you, brother. Okay, okay so here, Toby is 38 years by the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus comes up and it says, as I read, knowing that this man had been there for such a long time. By the pool of Bethesda, the place of healing, he asked the man, do you want to be healed? Now, think about that question. He's been there at the place of healing for 38 years. Do you want to be healed? Now, I don't think Jesus was trying to be funny, and I don't think he was mocking the man. What was Jesus saying? When he, what was he doing when he asked him that question? He was confronting him. Because without confrontation, there's no breakthrough. Without confrontation, there's no change. Imagine this man, 38 years, he's been in that position. Imagine his view on life. What are you seeing there, Toby? Imagine this is your view for 38 years. You begin to see the same thing. And Jesus had to come and confront him. Do you really want to be healed? Sometimes we can be in something for so long. We're so used to it. We've gotten so used to it that we don't even think there's another way. We don't even see any other way out. So he confronted him so that he could experience his breakthrough and said, Do you even want to be healed? And now he responds. And now you would think a guy that's been waiting for 38 years to get his healing would say, Yes, I want to be healed. What is the answer? He says, I have no one. I have no one to help me when the water's stirred. I have no one. You know, that's his view. There's a lot of people that that's all they see. I have no one. I'm all alone. There's people around trying to help him. I have no one. But Jesus had to confront him that he can see it a little bit different. Do you really want to be healed? I have no one. And then he says, I have no one to help me. And he says, and then when I'm trying to go, somebody else goes in ahead of me. You know, some people, it's always the way they see it is always everybody else's fault. They'll never take responsibility for their situation. They're always the victim, it's always somebody else's fault. It's just the way they see it. But it takes the Word of God coming and confronting us and saying, Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be delivered? Do you want to experience some kind of change? And then Jesus said, Get up. Take your mat and walk. And it says immediately he got up. It says immediately he got up. It says immediately he got up. And he took his mat. Amen. Hallelujah. Confrontation. Without that confrontation, no breakthrough. You want to go forward. You want to advance. You're going to have to experience a breakthrough. If you want to experience a breakthrough, there's going to be a confrontation. Breakthrough begins... By seeing where you are and where you need to be. And if you're so caught up in seeing everything just a certain way, for 38 years, it's been this way. 38 years, nothing's going to change without a confrontation. Some people have kept things hidden for 38 years. Some people have kept things just a certain way for 38 years. And you need to be confronted. In Niger, I told you, they like to cover things. They like to cover. They think the loving thing is to cover. And so things could be going on in the ministry. And I didn't even know as the head of the ministry, there were some things going on. And until it, and it continued to get worse and worse until I was made aware. And then we expose it. And we confront it. And then we can correct it. And then things can begin to change. But until the confrontation, it continues on. And I know, listen to me, believe me, I know confrontation is not fun. Oh, it's not fun. To say no to your child that wants to get into something and mess with something, it's not fun. You say no and then you have all the screaming and the crying. Do you know what? It's just like that when we get older too. It doesn't change. You confront and there's all the screaming and the crying and all the mess. It's still there. Confrontation, but without that confrontation, we never begin to see it differently. Sometimes we think we see everything clearly and we don't. Toby 's here and i 'm going to tell a story. I may have told this before because I, I love this story, but when Toby was just just a young boy i don 't know maybe three, four, five five years old, he had a really close friend. his name was Philly in niger philly was Philly and Toby did so many things together, always playing together and and a uh, little Niger boy, and they were best of friends. Well, one furlough we go we go back to the states for a few months like like we do and and while we're gone, Philly has an accident in Niger and a car backs over Philly's um, stomach area. And through that accident, Philly survived, but he was left with a condition where he could no longer control his bladder. The muscles had been damaged or such that he could not control his bladder. He was urinating all the time. Uh, he could not control it. And so you can imagine with that type of situation, that type of problem, his, his, his clothes were always damp and wet and smelling bad. Such a stench and odor that would come off of Philly. You could smell it a mile away. From here we would know when they came into the church. You, it was that strong. My eyes would water. I remember when when Philly would, so we come back and Toby's still, you know, best friends with Philly and he would come and ask Danette if, hey mom, can, can Philly come into my room and can we play in my room? Okay, but don't get on your bed. You guys can play on the floor. Just stay on the floor or we'd be going to church and and we would say okay you you he, Philly can come but he has to sit in the way back and i remember driving to church and Philly and Toby would be in the way back and literally my i would be having tears running down my eyes cuz the stench and the ammonious in the air was just so strong and i and i was just you know this is Toby's friend and i am like putting up with this burden you know and one day i come home from from Being From being at Bible school in the morning, I come back for lunch. And as soon as I walk in the door, I was tired and just ready to come in and relax and have my lunch. And as I walk in, I was confronted. Boom. Philly was here. Smelled it immediately, and I wasn't in the mood for it. And I called out for Toby. I said, Toby, come in here. I can't take it today, Toby. Toby comes, and I said, look, Toby, I'm tired today, and I just can't take it. I said, Philly's got to go. The smell is just too much. I can't take it. And Toby looked up to me and said, what smell? (laughs) When he said that, my emotions are wrong. When he said that, I realized I've been seeing this completely different than how Toby was seeing it. I'm carrying this huge burden of Philly, having to have Philly around and the smelly Philly and having to put up with his major sacrifice. And Toby's having it like, this is his best friend. He doesn't smell anything. He loves Philly. But I saw it completely different. Do you realize sometimes we can see things completely the wrong way? I saw that thing completely the wrong way. Sometimes we can have been in something for 38 years we're not seeing clearly. Sometimes we... We need to be confronted that we can see it in a different way. I want to read one, one more passage this morning. I didn't look at the time I started. What time do you all, 11.30 you get done or 11? Let's go, let's go over to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. I got five more minutes. Oh, he said we have, no, we have two services. We got tonight too, okay. <laughs> Mark chapter 8. Are you with me now? Everybody say, Breakthrough. Everybody say, Confront me, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay. Now you got to mean it. All right. Mark chapter 8 and starting in verse 22. It says, They came to Bethsaida. And so people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. And when they had spit on the man's eyes, they put his hands on, uh, Jesus put his hands on him. Jesus asked, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and then his eyes were opened, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. You know, I said, sometimes we don't see things clearly. Breakthrough begins by seeing where you are and where you need to be. So if you want to experience breakthrough, you've got to be ready to realize, I may not see everything clearly. I may need to have the light. I may need to be confronted and allow the light to shine in some things. Well, I love this passage because here they bring a blind man to Jesus. For Jesus, they said they begged for Jesus to touch him. You know, Now, Jesus was called rabbi. Jesus, rabbi means teacher. But they didn't bring this man for Jesus to teach him. They brought him for Jesus to touch him. You see, there's, uh, there's sometimes we need teaching. Amen? There's the time we need teaching, and then there's the time we need a touch. Didn't get any men's there. I said, there's some times we need some teaching, and then there's some times we need a touch. Is there anybody here that might need a touch? Everybody's like, no, no I'm not raising my hand on a message like confrontation. Well, look what happens. They bring this man for Jesus to touch, and Jesus takes him out of the village. Sometimes you need some change here. Okay. Brings him out of the village. He says he takes some clay and spits in his eyes and, and he touches him. Everybody say, Touch me, Lord. Everybody say, Touch me, Lord. Touch me, Lord. I got to get your people talking, man. Touch me, Lord. Touch me, Lord. And so he touched it. And what happened? It's, Jesus asked him a question. It's important for us to realize Jesus likes response. That's why I keep I asking you to respond. Jesus says, What do you see? Did you see anything? And what happened? He says, yes, I'm seeing. I see men like trees walking around. Hallelujah! A miracle! How many know that if we had a blind man coming here, you laid hands on him, and he could begin to see men like trees walking around, how many know we'd be jumping up and down, running around this place? That was a miracle. That was a supernatural manifestation of God's power that took place. And he could see what he couldn't see before. I want you to know, confrontation can open the door for a miracle in your life. If you want breakthrough, you've got to be ready for the confrontation. He says, I see see men like trees walking around. Some people are never even willing to admit they don't see something clearly. Do you know this man would have not gotten healed, fully healed that day? Had he not been ready to admit, oh, I see fine, it's good, it's clear, praise God. And he's seeing men like trees walking around. And what did he say? He said, no, well, I, I'm seeing, praise God. I'm seeing." And what did Jesus do? Because that man could, could admit that he may not see everything clearly. It says he touched him again. Do you know sometimes we need God to touch us again? We may have experienced some miracles in our life. We may have experienced the supernatural power of God doing something in us. We may be speaking in tongues because we may have been baptized by the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't mean that we don't need another touch. Sometimes we got to confront those things no matter how far along in our walk with the Lord that we are. Sometimes you need to be willing to to realize, "I, I don't see this clearly. Breakthrough begins by seeing where you are and where you need to be. This man was ready for a second touch. I want to ask you today, is there anybody here that might need a second touch? Is there anybody here that's ready to confront some things in your life? Paul said, if you judge yourself, you'll not be judged. We're living in a time that's very non-confrontational. Whatever you want to do, it goes. But I want you to, do, you to know today that's not the way God intended the church to be. When Jesus said you're the light of the world, it was about confronting darkness. Exposing the works of the darkness. Are you ready to start with you? I hope some people's hearts are beating right now. I hope that you're starting to examine your heart. I told Pastor Scott, he asked me, (laughs) pastors never ask me what I'm going to preach on. But of course, Pastor Scott does. (laughs) What are you going to preach on tomorrow? (laughs) Between bites of ribeye, I had to give an answer. (laughs) And I said, uh, breakthrough, but really confrontation. But I said this, I don't want to be confrontational. I just want to speak on, I, I, I believe God told me to speak on confrontation. But now that I'm up here, I want want to be confrontational. And I hope you're being confronted with the word of God. And I hope the Holy Spirit's confronting you because I want you to know something. Repentance is the greatest breakthrough you will ever experience. Will you stand up this, this morning with me? Without confrontation, you'll not experience breakthrough, and without breakthrough, you will not go forward. You, will, you can stay in the same place for 38 years. Why? Because you'll, ref- because you'll never choose to allow the Word of God to confront you. You know, we can be in the same building, in the same room, hearing the same message, and receive it completely different. My prayer today right now is that you're not just being confronted by Neil Childs, you're being confronted by Holy Spirit and I pray that if there are things that 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 have been not clear that you have not been seen clearly in your life that you'll be willing to admit and say I see it's like men walking with trees I need a second touch and if I could ask all of you to just be look into your heart maybe maybe it's easier if you close your eyes close your eyes and just begin to examine your heart and say God are there things in my life that need to be confronted Maybe while this missionary that was supposed to come and talk about God's love for all people, and now he's bringing a confrontational message, maybe if that doesn't sit right with you, maybe it's because God wants to confront you. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you you know you need a second touch, I want the Holy Spirit to touch you today. And I want to open up the altars for you to come and be touched by the Holy Spirit. I don't want to touch anybody today. I want God to touch you. I don't want my words to confront you. I want God's words to confront you. If there are things that have been in your life, maybe for 38 years, maybe for 38 days, whatever it is that you're dealing with, it's not about what you're dealing with. It's about are you ready to be confronted and receive what God has for you today? So if you're here today and you would say, I'm being confronted and I need a second touch. I want you to come to the altar. The altars are open for you to come and lay down to God whatever it is that you need to be confronted on. And if that means one person or every person, allow the Word of God to confront you where you're at. Allow the Holy Spirit to deal with you. Because if you can come to the front, the the Holy Spirit's light can begin to align. I want people's eyes closed and this is between the people and God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each person that is stepping forward, that has been confronted today by the Word of God, that has been confronted by the the conviction of the Holy Spirit in their life. God, I pray, Father, right now that you will do a work in their heart, God. Whatever those issues are, whatever those things that have been kept hidden, whatever those things that need to be released out of their life, Father, I pray right now that, God, you do a work in their heart right now. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, touch them again. That they will see clearly that you will move them from where they are to where they need to be. God, that they will experience breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Breakthrough in all parts of their life, God. Spiritual breakthrough. Right now, I pray for spiritual breakthrough in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray for financial breakthrough. I pray for emotional breakthrough. I pray for physical breakthrough, health breakthrough in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit working and moving right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we will see clearly. I pray, God, that everything that has been kept hidden will be brought out into the light in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the confrontation of your word. God, we just pour out our hearts to you, God. I thank you, God, that you are a good God. You are a loving God. You are a merciful God. You are a forgiving God. You are a miracle God. You give us deliverance. You work and do what no man can do. You touch in a way that man cannot touch. You deliver in a way that God, only you can deliver, Father. I thank you, Lord, for right now moving in the hearts of people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I continue just to confront today. If you're here and you haven't moved out and you know you should be at the front, I'll just go ahead and press the issue. There's still time to step out to the front. I'm not asking you what you did. It could be big. It could be small. It could be an issue of how you see things. But don't allow the opportunity to be confronted to pass you by. Because without confrontation, there is no transformation. There's no change. Confrontation opens the door to change. The altars are here. You can come. You can sit. You can walk back. You can, but you need to be, allow the word of God to confront you today. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, God. For the work that you do in the hearts of people, God. We thank you, God, that you are so good to us, God. God, we thank you that through confrontation we receive breakthrough. We thank you, God, that you are moving us forward and you are taking us to a new level, a new place, God. And we know, God, that confrontation is never fun. But, God, we receive it and we experience that breakthrough right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for leadership in this church, God. I thank you, God, for the leaders that are in this church that carry that anointing and that, Father God, that carry the the wisdom and the insight. And, and Father, I just thank you, Lord, for blessing this house from today with great breakthrough in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that there will be a breakthrough in the families. I pray, God, that they will experience a breakthrough in their ministry in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for breakthrough from today, God breakthrough from today in Jesus name. I want to encourage everybody that has responded in some way. You know what level of issue that you confronted in your life and you allowed God to confront. You know whatever issue that could be. I want you to know some things you can just take care of between you and God but most things if you have dealt with anything that you that you know God was confronting you on. I want to encourage you to take it to your pastor. Because you know. One thing about confrontation is. You confronted yourself. And you'll not be judged. Because now you've confronted it. But then there's also. you got to. The Bible says that when you confess to one another. There is a healing that takes place. And if there are things that have been kept in the dark for a long time. And you bring it out to God. Which you may have done time and time again. Until you tell somebody that thing can still continue to try to hold you there's a release that takes place so today my last word before I hand back to pastor is this the real confrontation is now when you take it and you release you've allowed that confrontation to come full circle you release it to somebody your pastors are here tell them whatever has gone on in your life and that can bring you to a whole nother level of breakthrough I shared with you the experience the, the breakthrough I received and I think I want you to know that was not the only time. I, I, I go through that again and again. I, the, the blind man needed a second touch. I tell you, I've needed a third, a fourth, and a fifth. Because we all grow, grow from glory to glory. So I encourage you. I encourage you, allow God to confront you. And you're going you're gonna to have breakthrough as never before. I hope today, I hope tonight, my, uh, this, this morning my message wasn't so confrontational that you're not going to come back tonight. Because actually tonight, Danette's starting out, and she's a lot softer than I am. Amen? And we want to talk about the call of God in our life tonight. How many want breakthrough in the call of God? Breakthrough in seeing what God does in your life. Thank you, Pastor. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ.